Hi, this is Maximilian Osinski, and you're listening to Talking Lasso. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Honey, is that an ingredient, or is that something you just call me right now? Ingredient. Shoot, I was kind of hoping it was the other one. How worried are you about the threat of relegation? Well, Lloyd, right now, I'm mostly concerned with the definition of relegation. Congrats. You both just met a cool person. <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Come on, Richmond! Yo. Yo, how's it going, Josh? Uh, I'm I'm realizing that I forgot to change out to my quiet chair. <laughs> I just leaned back and had a creak in my chair. Uh, no, that was just me. I'm getting older as we speak. Oh, the okay. It's just the me. creak in your back. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this. The first time we're recording where we could hear the intro as we came in and Josh and I mouthed along to it at different parts, which was, uh, <laughs> which was enjoyable. Yeah, you created a good intro. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's just my, the way I create anything on audio recording is to mash loads of shit together that does is completely <laughs> non-cohesive and somehow it ends up you know stitching together to be all right i mean that that's how music and art combine right <laughs> to, to make a little bit of a lasso colloquialism that can be my uh that can be my excuse <laughs> <laughs> so um i really 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 need to get in before we start here that this episode contains spoilers for ted lasso um, series one, two, and three, but particularly series three, episode four, because we keep getting to the end of these recordings and going, <laughs> well, we forgot the spoiler warning again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I even put a note somewhere else and I forgot about it. So good on you. We should also say thank you to um, Maximilian Ozinski, who plays Zava. Um, for introducing this episode and the last episode. We didn't have a thank you in the last episode because we received it after recording, but before editing. So thank you, Maximilian. It was very, very generous of you to send us that voice note. We greatly appreciate it. It's very cool of you, if you're even listening. But you, of course you are. Why wouldn't, Why you? wouldn't you're, you? You're part of the show now. <laughs> and the third co-host, Maximilian Ozinski, will join us <laughs> shortly. Um, so how, sorry, Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, as you heard in the last episode of Talking Smack, I am home. I finally had a good night's rest because the kids have, we were recording on Good Friday. Uh, happy Easter to everyone who celebrates the holiday. Happy Passover to anyone who celebrates Passover. It's, it's one of those holidays that I don't I don't really think about until the week before and you go, oh, I've got to buy everyone chocolate eggs. Um, and that's that's about the extent of it. So I'm seeing Tim on Easter Sunday for the first time since Christmas. Tim is my brother oh, wow. um, and co-host of my other podcast, Game Club Pod. And actually, by the time that this comes out, on Wednesday, you will catch our first spin-off of Game Club Pod, where it's just me and Tim. And I won't reveal the name, because that's quite a big part of the uh, the episode itself. Okay. Well, there's going to be a lot of you and Tim on the the podcasting scene because you, Tim, and Slade will be joining me on Wednesday for our Mario Brothers movie review. Yeah. So that's that's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of us going around. Let's let's hope that you're not sick of me by then, Josh. <laughs> well, I just uh, the episode that I recorded with uh, Slade for the Coltworthy where we talked about some anime stuff. That was that one just came out, which. Uh, That'll be in the episode description for the upcoming 
talking smack episode we try to keep things lasso centric which we're doing a lot of hey we did this thing or we're gonna do this thing yeah and i I, so as someone who has never watched any kind of anime ever and not even sure what it was um check out the episode of the cult worthy it's good to just hear josh and slade you know enjoy things and and have a good time and maybe maybe I'll check out the the movie you recommended. I don't know. Is it is it a spoiler to say that you recommended it because it's in the thumbnail? Your oh, no, your I name say so. um, looks very yeah. wonderfully shot. But um, once again, not a not a someone who's ever seen an anime. So um, <laughs> yeah, I have a bit to hold up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who has seen it, I would recommend it. It would be a great first anime to watch. Okay. Cool. Maybe your name being the anime. Maybe I'll do it, but um, you know, for the for the sake of the bit, I might need to never watch anime ever. (laughs) Okay, let's dive into um, series three, episode four of uh, Ted Lasso. Um, You might need to big week. Yeah, big week. You might need to cut out my unprofessionalism here because I've forgotten what the name of the episode is. It's called Big oh, Week. Oh, it's Big Week. I thought you were saying it is a big week. Yeah, no, Big Week. Episode four, Big Week. <laughs> well, it's now it's got to stay in because, yeah. you know, you made an ass of yourself. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll never come back for the Super Mario episode, Josh. Um, okay, so we start Too off... Too embarrassed, going to hide now. <laughs> we start off with uh, Jamie Tart in bed. It's dark outside and we hear banging at the door. And at the door is your friend and mine, Roy Kent. Um, straight off the back of the last episode where he said we start training at four in the morning the next day so we can only assume this is the next day Um, and Jamie thinks he was joking Uh, I really enjoyed this opener I think the openers this season have been really really good so far but I think this might be my favorite what do you think Josh I think that that's fair I think that's a good I think this might be the best cold open because I do like that they also bring it back because usually a cold open won't come back um but we we get the follow-up like you said and uh it just it continues to show the growth between roy and jamie where they're becoming more like uncle and nephew Mm. or uh, not quite brothers but there there's like that familial bond that they're creating and uh the we've seen how how roy kent uh is as an uncle so if we get him as an uncle to jamie in the same way that he is with uh with his niece, then, you know, we could have a very fun dynamic for the rest of season three. That's a very great point. And then we get the, the butt end of the joke where we find out that Jamie Donald ducks around his house in his pajamas. Oh, you call it Donald ducking. I call it poo bearing. Oh yeah. I have it written down. I I like (laughs) Jamie is poo bearing. (laughs) I like poo better. So we'll, we'll, we'll stick with poo bearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good cold open. Uh, Jamie sort of, semi-reluctantly agrees but like there isn't much fight here to start training the reason that they're doing it at 4 a.m has logic roy says if you want to be better than zava if you start at 4 a.m you can get three workouts rather than two in the day um and at that point jamie sort of goes yeah i want to be better than zava and disappears and we get a, a little bum shot from jamie um spotlighted only by the fact that Roy Kent has a head torch on and is looking at Jamie's ass. So um there you go. <laughs> that's a that's a real good camera trick too because you see Roy like look down in the, the <laughs> torch flashlight just 
<laughs> spotlights right on there and is like that's a good way to make sure everyone sees what's happening because if they didn't put the the headlight on him then maybe some people would have missed it yeah. and you don't want to miss that no, well that's the first treat of the episode of many um <laughs> so then we, we we move on and the next scene is in nate's room or living room and he's playing josh have you heard of sabutio before i've not heard that name uh but i I assume it's probably similar to whatever version of football we have, where the, basically the table vibrates and the players move around. Uh, no, and you just try and wait to see. It, it's not quite like that. It's so Sabutio. You saw Nate. Um, basically, it's a tabletop football game, and the point is that you take it in turns to flick a player, and the flick is what controls the ball, and you can use it to pass, tackle, or shoot. Uh, and it's something I had growing up and really enjoyed growing up. And then I hit about 12 years old and went, I'm never going to do this again. But some people are fanatic about <laughs> it. Um, but Nate flicks it and miscontrols the ball. And what he has is, he's essentially, it looks like he's using it as a tactics board. Um, and he knocks Ted's figure off and it's painted to look like Ted. And there's a second where he kind of gets a wry smile and you think, oh, well. He's pleased that it came off. And then he... Asshole Nate is here. Yeah, asshole Nate is here. But then it switches really quickly. And he picks him up and he puts him back on the touchline. And he goes, there you go. And it shows that he still cares about Ted. And that's kind of a, a thread mm-hmm. throughout this whole episode. Yeah, and that, that goes back to, I think it was episode one since we've seen Nate. Or was it episode two? Mm, I can't remember. Um, yeah, it's been a couple episodes, but it, it's been a while. But we see that he does have that like Darth Vader internal struggle happening mm. where he, he still loves Ted, but the hurt is just still there and it, it's writhing in him in a way that he just lets it allow Rupert to manipulate him and drive him to be an asshole sometimes. Yeah. But this, this episode, as we go through it really um, goes out of its way to soften Nate quite a lot. And we get, even to the point where we are seeing him in scenes a little bit later on that are almost carbon copy of earlier scenes where we were rooting for for mm-hmm. Nate. And and I think that the point in this episode and what they'll end up doing is exactly what we said in episode one. There will be some kind of makeup between Ted, Nate, Richmond and Nate. And I think that like whilst that was always obvious, this episode is always is is really trying to hammer that point home, I think. Yes. Yeah. They, they are showing us that Nate is still the Nate we know and love. It, he's just hurt yeah. and acting out in that hurt. Yeah. Nate, we know and love, but very deep down at the moment, he just needs to bubble up to the surface. And one thing that uh, I wanted to bring up with this scene is that we see the inside of his apartment. And while he still, he has that nice new sports car, mm-hmm. he's still living in low paying kitman jobs apartment. I, I don't know if he, he might've moved. It seems like they might be relatively West Ham and Richmond might be relatively close to each other. So maybe he's commuting each day from there. Uh, But overall, Nate still very much is not like if he was going full asshole, Nate, he would be living in opulence. He would be living in a a much bigger house, I think. Yes. So I think this was interesting. I actually took it in a slightly different way that he was still using it because in episode one of this series, we made a big point that he was still driving his mini that he was driving when he was Kitman Nate. Um, and I think that despite his like very incredibly rapid rise to being a Premier League manager, I think he spends all his time thinking about the game and spends all his time thinking about 
the tactics and the team and as a result of that doesn't have time or or the drive to actually want to change his surroundings to a far more opulent lifestyle and he, he's just quite happy because he spends all his time so focused on the football that it doesn't matter what environment he's in as long as he's got space for his sabutio table i guess <laughs> that's fair yeah, that was just a guess. I mean, I mean, either is either or is is probably a fair assumption. But um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't think of it the way that you did. That was just the way that that it came to me. But we move on from from Nate to um, Sassy and Ted, and Ted's waking up, and Sassy is just leaving in a very classic one night stand sort of setup on a TV in in TV and and film. Uh, but Ted says to Sassy, like, do you want to go on a date? Do you want to make this more than just Friends with Benefits? And what the, there's two films they reference here. There's Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached. No Strings Attached. Yeah, so so and, and Sassy says, let's keep it 2001, which is No Strings Attached, because she doesn't want it to be anything more than that. And the reason that she gives is that because Ted is a mess. Um, uh, sorry, you said 2001. 2011. 2011, sorry. I, I know we're going to get an email on it, so we don't want to... <laughs> Someone's already written it and sent it. Now they're like, shoot. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash game club pod. I can get any of your time related <laughs> um, grievances there instead of going to poor Josh. Um, so <laughs> 2011's No Strings Attached. Uh, and the reason that she gives is Ted is a mess. And I never thought about it like that. I think because we follow Ted and he has such a positive outlook on everything, I never really thought of him as being a mess. But reflecting on the three seasons... Yeah, he is a bit of a mess, really. Yeah, and I can definitely understand what she's saying. He's def- he's definitely not ready for any kind of relationship. And I that was something that we brought up when, I think it was last week when we found out that Dr. Jacob is now dating his ex-wife, is that Ted seemingly has been okay with the separation up until now, where he feels a little bit betrayed by his therapist, or former therapist, and uh, we were like, oh, but he's got sassy. Why isn't that an issue? And now we see that it it's not necessarily an issue. It's more of the the relationship status where, yeah, they, they can have physical relations, but there's no real emotional support mm. there for them. Yeah, and, and sassy's quite keen to keep it that way as well. <laughs> um, and we, we, we go from that, unless there's anything else you wanted to say on, on that scene. I thought it was it was fairly um, fast-paced, just to say that we're not changing this anytime soon. Yeah, no, I think the only thing I've got coming up that's still involving Sassy comes up later when Ted's uh, looking through his text messages. Okay. So that's a little bit later. Cool. So, so Sassy leaves, gets in a taxi, and in the space of about 10 seconds, we have Sassy, Nate, and then Roy and Jamie and Jamie's training in the park to the point where he vomits. So it's uh, it's it's bright <laughs> outside. So he's been doing this for hours. Um, and I really enjoyed it's not really much to the story, but I enjoyed Roy like delving into why do you sleep with just a shirt and no no trousers on? And he says, because I get hot up top and cold down the bottom. And that was it. That was, I just thought it was quite a funny little <laughs> joke. Um yeah, but but I thought that, that that kind of showed that that kind of very quick transition between Sassy, Nate, Roy and Jamie. They're all people that are very important to Ted for very different reasons. And the only two that stuck around within that scene were Roy and Jamie. And I thought it was quite symbolistic of what Richmond is to Ted. Maybe I'm looking into it a bit much. 
I think that's a really great point. Uh, I just, I got more focused in on the shot with that because it was kind of a one track shot where sassy, yeah. uh, well, we, we, uh, did, we skipped over Ted's Uber rating, but oh, I mean, that's Josh, whatever he, Josh, I want to know your <laughs> Uber rating. Uh, I don't have an Uber rating as far as I know. I've only taken a, maybe a handful of Uber rides. Where do I even find if that? If you log into the Uber app and click on your account, you'll get a, a, a your name and a star rating underneath. I have a 4.8. Oh, I've got five stars. Have you? All right. Ted Lasso over here. <laughs> um, I'm 4.82. I was, uh, I, we had a, a, journey where my wife and I, we were heading to hospital for an operation and she was quite upset and the driver gave us a really low rating for it. So um, I had a five star before that, but the guy was an asshole. So, <laughs> But you look really proud of your five stars. Well, yeah, now I'm like Ted Lasso. <laughs> and one more, one step closer. I just got to be able to grow that glorious mustache. I'll show you what, for one of our episodes, I'll shave the rest of my beard and just leave the mustache. I'll come in here <laughs> and I'll look far more like Ned Flanders than I will do a Ted Lasso. Maybe for the finale, we both just do a, a mustache. I like it. We'll, we'll grow it out I a should, little bit and then uh, we'll screenshot it. I should have done it for this one because we could have done it with the Mario Brothers as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Well brewing that um but back to the episode we we then cut back to we cut to keely's agency and rebecca and keely are chatting and barb walks in and says can i have two tickets for the west ham game uh she said jack's coming to town and the insinuation here is that keely thinks that jack is like a flame of barbara's or um i thought maybe a son that she hadn't spoken about but it turns out the Barbara is is the uh, the sorry Jack is the big boss that's essentially funding Keeley's agency and she had no idea who she was um, who Jack was so I I took the insinuation that Jack was supposed to be uh, a, a partner of Barbara's okay. uh, and she was just trying to get get in good with with Jack because he's he's in town and he's gonna love the fact that she got tickets to the the biggest match of the season yeah yeah but then um i made a note here that barbara gets very cold again so we had a bit of a warmth to barbara from that and the only person she's giving warmth at the moment to is is uh rebecca um in, in a quite a brown nosy way in like laughing to every one of her jokes hysterically and going over the top with any kind of response to rebecca but then when it comes to keely saying thank you she leaves and goes thanks like she goes, I'll see you soon, Rebecca. And then Rebecca goes, see you later. And then she just goes, Keely. And then walks out the room. And I don't know why they've tried to make her cold again when they spent quite a lot of time in the last episode warming her up. And we see that the office has been spruced up a little bit. It's much more Keely. Yeah. Uh, so she's clearly been using that uh, that corporate card <laughs> that she was told not to use. Yeah. Which that, that could also be a, uh, a Shandy influence as well. We don't know for sure. That pesky Shandy. Um, who we do see very soon. But before that, we have um, Leslie talking to Roy and Coach Beard, um, and they're trying to determine what they think Nate thinks they will do. And they're basically playing mind games with themselves, um, trying to determine a formation. Um, Classic overthinking. Yeah, serious overthinking, only to come to the original idea that they had in the first place. Um, And I really enjoyed Leslie saying, do you think Zava will accept this different role? And they just look at each other and Roy Kent goes, 
fuck and punches the board. It was <laughs> like um, they did all that thinking for nothing. Exactly, which I thought was really good. But then um, we have more of the um, Richmond team watching Sky Sports, um, predicting that West Ham are going to win um, and getting a bit funny about it. And then the goalkeeper who who uh, Zorro Zorro. I can't remember how you're meant to Zorro. Zorro. Or like Zorro. Um saying like, oh yeah, we we just need to ignore them, we need to get on with it. And Zava says, Yeah, he's right. Thank you, Zorro. And he says, Well, it's Zorro. And he says, Why? <laughs> why why is your name <laughs> pronounced like this? And uh and Zorro says, I don't know, it's just how my parents said it. And he said, I let my children decide what their own names are. Um, and I haven't written... When they turned seven. I haven't, <laughs> yeah. I haven't written down what their, what their name, his oldest son named himself. Um, but it was... Oh, yeah, I couldn't... I, I forgot, too. It was something quite funny. I couldn't remember. But um, it then comes down later. It's a little bit later in the episode, but um, Zorro wants everyone to call him Van Damme now, which uh, I thought was I thought was quite good. And a serious change to where he was at the moment. Oh, it's um, Smingerstingus. <laughs> Smingerstingus, that's right. His eldest son is called <laughs> Smingerstingus. And then later on in the episode, the commentator, I think it's Chris Sutton, says something like, it's going to be ugly, um, feisty, and hard for the second half of the match we're going to watch. And then said, that's the name of some of Zava's kids, which I thought was another good callback. Yes. Um, but uh, within this scene as well, everyone's kind of rallying around. And I think it's interesting the more that we see him. And I know I have like this love affair with Maximilian Azinski, who I've I've kind of expressed within this episode already. But I think that, that Zava's character, once again, him building up, I'm going to call him Van Damme from now, uh, building up Van Damme, <laughs> just to say, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is what we need to do. Is not exactly not at all what I expected of Zava when we were first painted him in the first few episodes. I expected this like, it's all me, it's all me. I'm the only one with the correct opinion. But actually, he seems to be building up the teammates around him as well, which I enjoy. Apart from Jamie Tart. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, he he definitely, while he is all about himself, he understands that he has a supporting cast around him. Yeah. Um, and they, they do a really good job with the minimal screen time that he has to convey that information because he he obviously, we, when we talked about him introducing himself to the team, he recognized the kit man as being very important to the team. And he understands Ted's role and everything. He's like, mold me, do whatever you need to do with me. Yeah. But also just let me be the one to score the goals. Isn't he just the best addition to the show? <laughs> He is great. I I do hope that my prediction that he gets hurt or just kind of like fucks off to go bang Shandy or something doesn't happen. I hope he does buy into the lasso way or even becomes like a minor obstacle. Like they end up succeeding despite Zava not buying in. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, But within this whole rallying everyone around, they discover that the believe sign above the door was ripped in half, which I didn't, I didn't think we knew that the team didn't know that it had been done because it was very obvious to us, the audience at the end of the last season that Nate had gone in and ripped the sign, um, which is Ted Lasso's mantra of belief in half. I, I had assumed that Ted just replaced the sign. So it, it seemed really weird to me that he just taped it back up to the point where it would just stick. Yeah. 
and now no one would notice like it seemed like if the air conditioning went on in the wrong <laughs> way or someone like blocked it the wrong way it would it would have revealed that it had been ripped anyway yeah but they they kind of the team are really um distraught by that right they're really kind of i can't believe someone would do this um and it becomes they, quite they big, take it as an omen or something yeah it becomes quite a big plot point later in the episode but before that we cut back and this is what i mentioned about the the um location of softening nate back up and they go back to the restaurant from series two where nate tried desperately to get a window seat for his parents anniversary um only to be met by the same server who could not care less that he's um, successful now. Um, And then the person who does care that he's successful is a fanatical boss of the, um, the restaurant. Who's obviously a West Ham fan to the point where he's like, you can't, can't take his money here. His money's no good here. Um, But all Nate wants to do is impress Jade, the, the, the server there, the hostess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I thought was good. And once again, I mean, I know I've said it already, softening Nate, it did a really good job of it because he went back to his very quiet, um, softly spoken Nate rather than the the wonder kid West Ham Nate that we've seen of late. Yeah, we we don't see him do a lot of flirting or anything like that. We And obviously we haven't spent a whole lot of time with him, but he doesn't seem to be as self-assured as he likes to present himself or when he does his, I'm going to spit at myself in the mirror or whatever and uh, make myself big. Um, There's something about Jade that he finds intimidating, but he also clearly has a crush on her. And I thought this is a really weird scene, but it was really sweet because we, we see that old Nate come back where he, he clearly just thinks she's beautiful and he just wants to dote on her and be with her. But with who he is right now, he also can't do that. And I think he maybe part of him knew that, which is why he's so awkward with her. And he's, he's like trying to impress her. And I love the fact that when she comes back at him where he's like, Oh, I've been so busy. I I'm sorry. I haven't been able to come back. And she's like, Oh, it sounds like you should just quit your big, busy job. <laughs> yeah. It's that easy. Um, but then you get the contrast of, I, I, he really obviously didn't want to talk to this massive West Ham fan who was, trying to give him all this free stuff. And this guy was like shouting at people on the tables. Do you have any idea who this guy is? And um, Nate obviously like shrunk back into himself, but there was a line within it that I thought was quite funny. He goes, he says to Jade, uh, the the manager of the restaurant says his money's no good here. He doesn't pay for anything. And then he goes, unless it's, unless he's got alcohol and Nate really quickly goes, it's 1130 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. which I just thought was quick and, and good and um, but then he he gets out of there but Nate's really trying to project to Jade how important he is now because he's saying things like oh, I'm buying lunch for my whole staff and uh, I've got this really busy job and, and Jade just doesn't want anything to do with it yeah and now we, we stand Jade and Nate because Jade's going to keep Nate in his place are we going to have to start calling them Jade or Nate I think Jate would be better because Nate is too much like the uh, slang for like a grenade. <laughs> it could all blow up, though. It's true. That's a fair point. So, yeah, well, let's go with Nade. Nade. We've okay. got Royley and Nade. Yeah, Royley throws me off every time. Uh, but then we, so we, we move back and we cut back to um, Richmond and they're doing a shoot for banter, which Shandy is in charge of. 
and they're going for this new route with banter. Like the the thing is, you could be talking to a Premier League footballer. Um, and the the important thing here is one, Van Dam introduced himself as Van Dam to his teammates, but two, when Jamie talks, um, Shandy's infatuated by him, but she doesn't want to date him; she just wants to sleep with him. Um, but she says to Keely, "What's his backstory?" And Keely saying. Well, he used to be this, but now he's not. And he, she can't think of a flaw with him. And I thought that, oh, Josh isn't going to like this because it's really, really establishing <laughs> that love triangle again. Nope, don't want it. I <laughs> I feel like what they might be setting up with this is either Jamie has grown to the point where he's going to realize that Keely and Roy belong together despite what he may want. Mm-hmm. And he's going to basically point Keely in the direction of Roy or it's going to do the whole love triangle thing that I hate. I'm hoping it's the former just because again, that that shows in significant growth and it basically puts Jamie in as the voice of the audience where we're like, no, Roy and Keeley belong together. You know this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Jamie is going to sacrifice that relationship that he's building with Roy just so he can get what he wants as well. Especially when he knows it's not what's best for Keeley. Yeah, but I I agree, and I think that is what's happening. That's that's kind of my assumption. But I also think that I don't. I'm now getting to the point where I think that Keely and Roy aren't going to end up together either. I think that Keely's going to almost throw herself at Jamie for a scene, and he's going to go, "No, I'm friends with Roy, and this isn't fair to him." And I think, well, I could be. I probably am very wrong. But I just I don't know if I can see with with the amount of foreshadowing that something is going to happen between Keely and Jamie that that we're going to go back to Roy and Keely. I could see what you're saying happening. I could even see them ending up doing a one night stand sort of thing where mm. Jamie ends up confessing to Roy. I don't think they're going to there's not enough episodes for them to do a big relationship drama. No, I think it's going to be more just. Jamie has to do something to show that he has grown to the point where he knows he's not supposed to be with Keely. Yeah. He may want to, but he knows it in his heart of hearts as a friend to both of them that they are meant to be together. So that, that could be their another roadblock besides Shandy's animosity towards Roy. Um, but I, I, I just don't think that I think with where they're going with Jamie, they want to show his growth by, even having him turn Keely away at some yeah. point, even if it, if, even if it's after a one night stand sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what I think will happen. Um, but then we, we move to um, Ted's office and uh, Trent Krim, Roy, Leslie and coach Beard have found the video of Nate tearing up the believe sign. Um, and it's quite a short scene and it's just them watching the, the video um, but it's important because they say this is our motivation to beat West Ham this is our motivation because they will want to hurt Nate after seeing this I didn't like this scene I thought this fell really flat for me because the majority of it was a, a joke at Nate saying look how short he is he needed to wheel out a chair to to get this and I don't think it was needed I don't know what were your thoughts on it Josh 
I think it fell flat as well, but not for the same reasons. I okay. think this is another attempt at them trying to show that even when Nate is was this mad at Ted before he quote unquote betrayed him and moved on. Um, I think it, it was meant to continue to show that Nate wasn't necessarily acting out of in, entirely out of malice because he's fumbling with a chair. He's not thinking clearly he's hurt and he's not doing this in a, a mean spirited way. He's doing it out mm. of hurt. And I think that's really what the point of it was meant to show is him fumbling around with the chair and not being able to quite reach the, the believe sign. I don't think it was meant to be like, look at him. He's short. Ha ha ha. Yeah. I think I got that because, so I wouldn't have got it if he, he jumped for it, couldn't get it, got the chair straight away, got it and left. But it was the fact that they had him jump for it multiple times, not be able to reach it, fall down in the doorway. And I just, it reminded me a little bit of when I went to see Joker in cinemas. And there's that scene where the, the, actor with dwarfism can't get out of the apartment and he has to ask joker to open the door for him and there were so many people in the cinema that thought that was absolutely hilarious and i was sat there like this it's not the point of of this scene it's just a quite a cheap short joke is what i thought um i don't know that's just how it landed with me I can see where it, it can, because, yeah, like you said, it, it kind of is a little overlong where he jumps like three or four times mm. for it. Then he goes and gets the the rolling chair and the chair rolls away and he almost breaks his neck and yeah. ha ha. Um, but I, I I think it's meant more to show. And it, we we see cuts between Ted, too, where he's looking very somber in the moment because he's like, oh, this is this is where Nate broke because of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to Nate and Rupert and. It's the night before the game. Nate is in his office and he's just looking at articles of Nate versus Ted. And it's it's not really the work again. Um, he always seems to cut in his office and he's reading articles on his phone. But Rupert basically outlines why he shouldn't feel bad about the sour way that he left Richmond. But it's a, a real ploy to get him you know, ready to be ruthless against his former club. But I thought this scene was of note because it was the first time that Rupert showed any kind of coldness towards Nate. Um, he says, good night, Rupert. And Rupert responds, Mr. Mannion. So um, manipulator 101 stuff. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, he is, he's basically telling him if you don't win, you're you're in the doghouse yeah. and you're in the doghouse now, basically until you win. Yeah. Um, and the, the actor who plays Rupert, his name escapes me. He's just uh, so, Anthony head. I believe he's so good at this role. It's so, um, I don't know. I feel like I almost trust him as an audience member when you're not supposed to, because he's so confident within himself. And he's always got that like horrible, shitty in grin and i don't know i just i i believe him as a villain <laughs> well he played uh the is he the watcher in buffy the vampire slayer where he's the the like mentor to buffy okay so uh, i mean i grew up with him I, I i'm forgetting i know his last name is head because we always found it funny when we had our buffy <laughs> watch parties uh, but i think it's anthony head or something anthony head okay 
but yeah, he, he is a great actor. Like he's a really good character actor. He never really plays anything beyond what he is doing here. Right. It's just different tones. But, like, uh, but yeah, I, I've he, always said to me, and I'm not sure Ted Lasso follows this rule, but I always find the villain is so much more interesting than the hero. Always, always, always. That's a, a great thing to bring up here too, because they have given, I, I kind of joked about it in the, the episode where Rupert and uh, Nate first show up in this season, but they have gone like full villain mode with Rupert where he's just constantly wearing all black. He's wearing trench coats that Tell are all black. And... They're like, this is the bad guy. <laughs> just yeah. visually this, everything about this dude is awful. <laughs> he may say some sweet things. He'll whisper honey in your ear, but he is bad. Yeah, but so good at the same time. Um, but I think the the next scene we get is really interesting. Rupert walks out the door, and then we cut to Ted in his office, and it's like the same. He's doing exactly the same as Nate. He's reading the same article. Nate Ted Lasso versus the Wonder Kid, and Rebecca shows up and says, "Oh, I can't remember exactly how she puts it. Working late or hardly working?" And Ted goes, "What's?" what's that saying? Like, I think you've got that wrong. She goes, Oh, what's that? Oh, he, yeah. He, the, uh, working hard or hardly working is the, this slogan. Yeah. And she says working hard or working late. And uh, he's okay. like, I don't think that's right. And she goes, he goes, I don't think that's the saying. And she says, what saying? And it's just, I think <laughs> the way that Rupert pitched that to Nate was you, you will win tomorrow. And the way that Rebecca pitches it to Ted is, I really want us to win tomorrow. And I think it's basically mm-hmm. showing the control, like back to the manipulation and the control that Rupert has over Nate. Their their conversations are, you are doing what I say. And Hannah, sorry, Hannah Waddingham is what I was going to say. Rebecca and Ted, their conversations are, I really want us to do well. I really want to succeed together. Um, and I just thought it was a clever way of doing it. I like that a lot too. And also the implication uh, between the two text messages where, like you said, we cut back and forth or we cut from Nate looking at it of his own free will, where Ted is looking at the article because his ex-wife had texted it to him. Mm. And um, the way this scene caps off is Ted goes down and looks at his text messages with his former therapist, Dr. Jacob. Mm -hmm. And this is where I wanted to kind of bring this in real quick, just because usually in these sort of things, there's some like nice Easter eggs where uh, they'll throw in like producer names and stuff. Um, I really wanted to grab the dates on it, but this is, this would take me five minutes to get through. Um, But I just wanted to go through Ted's text lineup here real quick. Uh, So obviously he just texted Michelle to be like, Hey, thanks for the article. Hopefully things go well. He just texted Beard 45 minutes ago. So Beard's been out of the office for at least an hour at this point, probably. Um, Then there's just one that says Greyhounds, which uh, he says something to the effect of like, see all you goldfish in the film room. So that's probably a team, literally like the team. Yeah. Uh, Then there's Henry, his son, Rebecca, uh, Roy, which that one made me laugh because uh, (laughs) the notification says Ted loved no, or you loved no. Um, (laughs) And then coaches, which is obviously Beard and Roy, Keeley, Danny Rojas, Dr. Sharon, Higgins, Diamond Dogs, yeah. Will Kitman. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, which now begs the question of do, do we know Will's last name oh, or is Will's really, last name Kitman? I really hope it's uh, Kitman. 
<laughs> uh, Trent Crims, Sam Obasanya, but sorry, Isaac before, McAdoo. before you move any further, the message he sends to Crim, to uh, Trent Crim, was uh, we can see it was at least ten days ago, and it just says, "Did I mm-hmm. really say that?" with five question marks. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, someone who's going to be appearing later in the season, Mom. Mrs. Yeah. Shipley, which I thought that text was really good. It says, I swear to you, I'm not playing music. <laughs> uh, but th- there's a really weird time dynamic that happens here. Like, I would think Ted would be texting these people at least once a week. But we're, we're finding out that Ted has been texting uh, sporadically with some of these people. And then Sassy, which that one, I think, is a weird continuity error because you would think they would be communicating via text. But yeah. this one is at least like a month old at this point. Yeah. So they they just call each other or they just appear at each other's door. I don't know. Don't know. But also the the uh, the sassy one, all he did was like the image as well. Um, oh, so who knows what it was, <laughs> but it took Ted to to just like it. And there was no conversation after that. <laughs> yep. Uh, then we have uh, Ted texting Liam, Renee, Kenneth, Zorro, Adam Clark, which I'm assuming Adam has to be someone on the the Ted Lasso team. And I start, I apologize. I don't know how good my new mic is, but my dog's barking at That's okay, someone worry. going for a walk. <laughs> so I don't know if you hear that in the background. Uh, then we have Dr. Cher, which seems to be Henry's therapist. Yeah. Uh, an Amazon delivery or some kind of uh, delivery. Yes, we have his are. Uber. Dr. Jacob, and then Dr. Chung, who seems to be his dentist. But it says, it's... we miss your teeth. Time for your cleaning. <laughs> what a strange text. I would have I would have liked it better if they had said, time for your cleaning, and that's the tooth. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, but Dr. Jacob, his last texts are all just thumbs up to Ted. Ted never responded to Dr. Jacob. Yeah. And... Um, that one goes back to like pre October, 2019, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, obviously when he was in counseling with Michelle, but it kind of, it demonstrates how little Ted liked Dr. Jacob from the outset that, you know, his friendly disposition was not displayed to Dr. Jacob himself. Um, but no, I hadn't, I hadn't stopped and read those texts until now. I don't think they needed to go into that much detail, but I'm glad we did. Yeah, I, I don't think they did either. But again, I, I was just really curious because usually those sort of things have like fun little Easter eggs. So we, we then cut to game day and um, I'm going to really quickly fire through this because the introduction to the game day is basically everyone finding their positions and um, linking up with other characters. Um, so we have the team walking in. Poor Will Kitman carrying lots of bags and being <laughs> photographed while he falls over doing it. Um, and then we see Rebecca and Keeley showing up um, to obviously the bit with the VIP boxes. Um, they're obviously quite impressed with how it looks. The London Stadium is a real football stadium. It was built for the 2012 Olympics and West Ham now rent it. This was actually shot there and it's a very impressive building. But Keely is saying how nervous she is to meet Jack. Uh, and then she says she has to nip off to the bathroom. Um, and then in that time, we have a, another lovely Rupert Rebecca rendezvous. Um, <laughs> you can tell how uncomfortable it is, can't you? 
Yeah, and the fact that he he knows it and he does things like he'll touch her shoulder and stuff, and it's just creeper and manipulator one oh one. Just he's he's the worst, but you you can't not like him yeah. for some weird reason. <laughs> it's the sign of a very well designed character, I think. Yes. Um, so then we go into a uh, toilet scene with Keely, and she realizes that her period has started. And that she is caught short and doesn't have any kind of sanitary, I was going to say apparatus, but that is not the right word for it. Um, <laughs> so, Just say tampons. Yeah, it's, tampons. Um, it's 2023. We can say tampons. Well, no, but I was thinking there's there's so many things that you can use that um, I didn't mm. want to specify tampons, but um, she doesn't have any, basically. And she's reaching through and the person in the stall next to her luckily has tampons and i wrote down what keely said here uh she says thank god these are the super max not super slim it's not like my vagina is on a diet um <laughs> so uh then the person giving her the tampon laughs has these really cool unique shoes that keely uh compliments and walks away and we don't really think a lot of it until um we see who who they belong to uh, but we do get a really uncomfortable scene within a lift um, next where Ted and lots of people who obviously work at West Ham are in a lift together. And he says, like a tree, who are we rooting for today? And they all say West Ham. And then nothing is said until they leave the lift, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And the, the framing of this scene is actually really good, too, because as everyone's leaving, you can see Nate kind of shuffle. So, like, I don't know if that was just them not being prepped for the moment where he's supposed to be just out of frame hiding behind Ted. Yeah. But you can see, like, that little swath of gray hair just move to the right side of the screen. Yeah. And then as Ted creates more space for himself after everyone gets off the the lift, uh, you, he turns around and he sees Nate behind him. I, I don't know if that was supposed to be, like, a, one of those moments where you, you don't see him until, but you can still see the the actor at least shimmy over to the corner. Yeah. And I thought that was really great. And it's funny because so, so Nate is, is shimmying to the corner to face the corner so that he doesn't have to talk to Ted. And what was he expecting here that Ted wouldn't notice that he was in the lift with one other person. He was just hoping that Ted would keep his <laughs> eyes forward like you do in the elevator. But then he goes, uh, so, so Ted noticed him and goes, Nate. And Nate goes, Oh, oh, hi, Ted. Like, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Which I thought was really good. Um, Just really admiring this corner. But, but, but Nate um, starts to essentially apologize to Ted um, until the lift doors are open and we met with Richard. Uh, I keep saying Richard, Rupert. Um, <laughs> and he stops what he's saying and he runs off like he's going to get in trouble if uh, if he says it. And uh, Rupert's really cold to Ted here and Rupert's cold to Ted all the time he's the only person that he doesn't seem to have any interest in um, manipulating um, ever since I think you know the dart scene in, in series I want to say one um, Rupert you can tell really hates Ted and he's not shy about it either because Ted was one of the few people that have gotten one over on yeah. him yeah, um, but I, I will say the framing once the doors open, the framing of this, which we've seen the promotional image of uh, where we have Nate and Ted kind of face to face and their big height difference with Rupert in the middle. Uh, that 
that promotional image that we see, I, I just want to praise Nick Muhammad in this moment because the promotional image you you see this like vitriol towards Ted because that's what we're projecting in it. But he is playing the role in such a great way that in the context of the scene and of the shot, he's actually like starting to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's but great. the doors open and Rupert kind of changes the vibe and he just pisses right off to go do his thing. Yeah, he bolts. Uh, but I, I thought it was if you you can it's such a great thing to see it because again the you can see whatever emotion you really want in what he's doing, but it is clearly in in that moment he's trying to open himself up to talk to Ted again. Yeah. Uh, but it, he has just like that look on his face where you could be like, there's anger there. Yeah. But he he also still feels bad. But like maybe it's anger towards himself. This whole show is about great psychology. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? But um, the the uh, promotional material, rightly so, made it look like the cover the the poster for a boxing match. Um, and it's yes. like you said, it's it's just not the scene. Um, but it was it was very good. It was really well done again um, by the team on this. I thought it was yeah hit the hit what it needed to. Um, mm-hmm. So now we have the build up. Uh, no, sorry, we don't have the build up. Now we meet Jack. Um, so we're in the director's box, uh, and we're introduced to Jack, who shock horror is female. Woo. Uh, the big reveal, uh, but also the person that gave Keely a tampon in the toilet just minutes before. Um, and Keely is mortified when she's introduced to Jack. Um, yeah. Uh, you were saying something really interesting uh, before we started recording, Josh, and, and um, I'd like to talk about that a little bit more where, where people can hear your thoughts. Sure. Uh, so, with what we got with what little we got of Jack, I am curious if Jack may not be a, a transgender female born male transition to being a female. And mm. uh, I, I feel like there, there are little clues because among other things, they talk about how their name is Jack. And I'm going to say there just because I, I don't want to sure. misgender or anything. Um, so I'm going to try and stick with there for now. Like, they clearly identify as a she by this point in the show. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it could go either way because they are kind of tomboyish in some things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of, I'm, th- this is my own way of trying to be respectful is by doing a there and they, them instead of a he, she. Yeah. Um, but I feel like uh, if women have, this is like an unspoken bond between a lot of women from what I understand is that they always, there's always a neighbor that has a tampon in case you need it. Like that's like the one thing most women seem to really be able to bond over is the fact that like, Oh, she gave me a tampon. She's super cool. (laughs) Um, But I just, there's something there with Jack that we're not getting the full story yet. Yeah. And I don't know if it's whether they, they might be just gay and into Keely or they might be transgender and into Keely, mm. but there's, there's some kind of unspoken bond that they're clearly feeling towards Keely. Uh, even if it's just sharing a tampon in the the bathroom, I don't yeah. know. Um, but I, I feel like there's more that we haven't gotten to yet. And we're going to see a lot more of Jack. Well, you, you said something really interesting about Jack. Um, and it, she doesn't say a lot. Sorry. I'm going to follow your, they don't say a lot. Jack doesn't say a lot in, in this episode at all. 
but they they say so much with the silence when it's short answers it's no answers at all quite a lot of the time um mm-hmm. and yeah i just i think i think you're right uh, we've definitely not seen the last of jack um and we've definitely not seen the last of jack and keely's i was going to say relationship but dynamic between them because there's definitely definitely something there yes yeah yeah and it, it could be me projecting uh hoping for more representation um i feel like if there was if jack was going to be transgender i feel like that would have leaked into the press somehow Ooh. and they, there would have been a big to do about how ted lasso is going to have a transgendered character so maybe i'm just completely projecting on it but i i that's just where my head is going because um, we're just completely speculating on a lot of this too. I don't know if I agree because I think the fact that Colin was revealed as as gay or bisexual in, in the last episode, none of that was in the press beforehand. And I think that's quite a big thing, that representation. So I that's think a good point. either they've either they've kept it under their hats or it's not happening. Um it's the one of two things, uh, really. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, so so we we then cut to the build-up to the match and the match itself. And I think this is where we can really fly through our notes because there's a lot of, of the live game here where Richmond seemed to be on top. Jamie has a chance that hits the bar. There's an opportunity for Jamie to pass to Zava for an open goal, which they they only made clear by Rebecca going, Zava was open really frustratedly, but I didn't think Zava was open at all. I rewound it twice, and there was definitely a defender between Jamie and Zava. So I thought the same thing. I thought <laughs> Jamie had a wide open shot. Why not take it? Yeah, and, and uh, but I even really Zava like... just like stops and yells like for Zava. Yeah, that was what I really like for Zava. I love that he refers to himself in the third person. Um, but yeah, so as so, divas should do, as divas should do. But um, we see Nate swap his tactics about just before halftime securing 2-0 lead into the break. And we cut to walking in the tunnel, as they do, ready for their team talk. And Rebecca beckons Ted over and I think starts to say, like, what the hell's going on? We need to win this. And then completely bottles out of that and changes her tack to keep going. I have faith in you which I thought was was nice from her. Yeah, I feel like that scene, I the first time I watched the episode, I took it more as her trying to, it, it was her attempt to try and manipulate Ted, yeah. where she's trying to be vulnerable and be like, we need this win, we need to win. But obviously the, the subtext is, I cannot handle losing to Rupert again. Yeah. Despite Ted having, I think it was it in this moment or maybe it was the moment before, uh, when they're in his office where Ted basically says, you have already won because you got away from him. That was in the, the, uh, the scene before. Um, but yeah, I think that's absolutely, it was a really lovely sentiment that we maybe should have spoken about, um, at the I time. got too sidetracked with the text messages, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so then we go in and we find out that coach beard and, and Roy have, um, kind of gone over Ted's head and shown the video of Nate um, ripping up the sign and absolutely fired up the team to the point where they're just out for blood. Which, um, I don't know, it's a strong reaction to tearing up a piece of paper that they didn't even know was torn up until a few days ago, isn't it? 
I think so. And it, it is kind of a, a big theme that's coming into these last few moments of the episode where supporting characters for someone in charge have gone rogue. And we're going to see kind of ramifications for what happened with that uh, in the match. It ends up being that instead of the, instead of the players becoming motivated by as beard and uh, Roy think it will, where they'll, they'll try to hurt Nate. Mm. They take it out on the players on the pitch. Instead of playing angry for goals, they play angry for blood. Yeah. And uh, it, it didn't turn out well for the team or for beard and Roy. No, they, they end up going out and there's a scene of the whole, team walking past Nate and just shooting him side eye um, they're obviously really pissed off and within a couple of minutes Richmond lose a player to a red card and then they lose Zorro to a red card or sorry Van Dam to a red card and then they have another <laughs> player sent off so they finish the match with nine nine men um, and there's a line that Jack says to Keeley uh, I don't feel like you should have more red cards than you should goals within a game, which I thought was quite a, a good one. But um, the match ended 4-1, and Rupert got one over on Richmond. But the team learned a valuable life lesson. Yes, they did. A or you would hope so, at least. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find Beard out. and Roy learned a valuable life lesson. Beard and Roy learned that Ted will not shout at them no matter how much they beg. And they kind of want to be told off there and then to get it over with. And Ted is his usual cool, calm, collected. I'm not going to shout at you. Um, like we've learned, we get rid of that video and we never do that again. Um, and it's, you know, Ted management. Ted Lasso's excellent management of a situation try again, fail again, but fail better next time, um, which I think is is something he does well. But before we get there, we actually get a really quick shot of um, Rebecca leaving the VIP box and catching Rupert kissing his uh, PA or his secretary. Um, it's a very quick thing, but obviously he's now cheating on his new partner um, which will showing play that he's bit. he's back to his old tactics, and uh, this time Rebecca definitely is going to take bigger credence into it because there's a child involved among other things, and she doesn't want Bex, despite the fact that she kind of resents her, yeah, uh, to go through the things that she did. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, so off the back of that, uh, we have, as we said, Ted not refusing to um to lay into Roy and Coach Beard. They don't look happy by the outcome. They um they want to be told off and they want immediate retribution for what they did. Ted's not going to give it to them. Um and we leave that and we cut to the press conference afterwards where uh you can hear it's Lloyd Griffith who we spoke about before in a previous episode interviewing Nate. Um he's got a very distinct voice so um, you can tell it's him. And he's saying, like, well done on the win today. And then he said, well, what happened? You didn't shake Ted's hand. And I don't know if you know, Josh, it's a thing that there's a tradition at the end of a football game. The two managers, the first thing they'll do is they'll walk over, they'll shake hands. One of them will go celebrate. The other one will go straight down the tunnel to the dressing room to go bollock their players for not winning. Same thing in American football. Okay, cool. Um, 
But Nate didn't even notice that he didn't shake Ted hands. Ted's hand, he just got completely swept up in the moment and celebrating um, celebrating the win that he's had. Um, and when he realises, he, he immediately excuses himself and goes to correct his his flaw, which is another one of those Nate isn't this um, horrific never going to care what Ted thinks of him person. He wants to fix the situation. Yeah, he's not an irredeemable monster. Yes, he's not. Um, so, but in doing that, he he stops just shy of the, the bus to compose himself and the PA, Rupert's PA comes along and says um, there's a VIP room at this is it a thing called Bones and Honey? That sounds right. I can't recall. It's the club that from that awful Coach Beard episode that they go to. Oh, jeez. Um, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so it's the same club I as forget. that. But, um, Wash that episode out exactly. of my brain. <laughs> Glad it's not just me. Um, but, yeah, so, so she says this, and in the time that they've had that very short conversation, the coach doors are shut, and Nate's missed his opportunity. So he's not going to get the chance to... to apologize or even shake Ted's hand. Um, and then we get uh, Rebecca and Rupert and a warning. I saw you were your secretary. Don't do this to, I can't remember her name, Bex. Bex, Bex yeah. Because they have a young child together. He's going to throw that away. Um, and Rupert doesn't even look sorry that he's been caught or sorry about what's happened. He's very much evil still and one thing we we kind of skipped over when uh we first see rupert and bex once we're at west ham stadium is that bex likes to like egg him on calls him old man Mm. and everything and you can see on his face like that's one of the few moments where he he cracks that exterior veneer that he has where he he's clearly like uh this child calling me an old man and i think that's really solid acting and you can see why Rupert is doing what he's doing because we already know he has a history of it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that just, it, it compounds so well. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And then we see, um, we see, uh, Keely getting a drink with Jack and Shandy, uh, and Shandy has gone ahead and changed everything about banter. She's gone rogue as, as we knew she would do. Um, but she she has changed the strap line of banter and it's trending now. So Keely's saying, Oh, wonderful, it's trending. And then she finds out that Shandy has changed the strap line to banter, wanna bang a celebrity? And it's like this is not at all what what we wanted. And this is in front of Jack, who's the investor for Keely. Um mm-hmm. and I think that Keely is obviously panicked here. But we don't really see a lot of Jack's reaction to it because she takes Shandy away and says, like, change this back now. Um, yeah. Uh, I think this is kind of where I'm like, there's something here with Jack because she doesn't, they don't really react. They they kind of just kind of saunter into the background looking a little sad because clearly they have some, uh, are, is Jack the one who created banter and then they created the Keely Jones public relations? Because she, they seem really sad that Banter has kind of 
devolved so quickly because of Shandy's involvement. Mm. Like there's something with what's going on with banter that is uh, causing some sadness there. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think we get that much into it really. So um, I guess we'll see where that scene goes maybe next week. Um, But yeah, so then we, we cut to the, the, the club that, Nate has VIP to. He's definitely not in a VIP room. He's just in the main area of that club. I don't think a lot happens here other than the fact that we know that Rupert is still there with his secretary um, and he's introduced to a lady called Anastasia who says uh, and Nate goes oh you're famous and she goes oh you are too and they have a drink together and it's too strong for Nate and I think it's just another way of kind of um, giving a bit of youth and innocence to Nate that he couldn't drink the martini because it was too strong for him. But that's all I really. It's got. a callback. It's a callback to to um, the benefit episode in season one, oh, okay. where Nate get he like steals someone's martini, takes a drink, just okay, just spits it right back out. Oh, I missed that. Okay, cool. Um, but that's all I got from that scene. I don't think there was anything massively important there. Yeah, Rupert's still a twat. Nate's still Nate underneath, and yeah, yeah, he's he's even too. This is like his new sports car, where like he could never handle Anastasia mm. because just too much for her for him. <laughs> but we'll see if Rupert's influence continues, because uh, as we know, Nate needs to happen now. Yeah. Yes, we do. Um, and then, so there's two more scenes, and we've got to fly through them, Josh, because we've done the over an hour mark. Um, yes, very quickly. Uh, the the first of the two is really quick. We cut to outside the front door, Jamie's home. Roy Kent is knocking on, ready for this workout, and instead of being poo bearing, Jamie Tart is got his head torch up on, and ready to go, up and ready to go, and uh, he he sort of opens the door, runs out, and starts his workout immediately. And Roy's visibly impressed with this. Um, yeah, very good moment because, like you said, Roy's impressed and he's just like, fuck yeah, let's do this. Yeah, which is is cool. Um, further compounding Uncle Roy to, to <laughs> Jamie. Um, and then we cut to uh, Ted's flat apartment, whatever it is. And he's got the game on in the background, but he's not paying attention to it. Um and he talks to his ex-wife and says, uh, I'm not pleased with the way that things happened with you and Dr. Jacob. I still love you. I still love Henry, our son, and we're going to raise him together. And then he makes a point of, um, we will have grandchildren together. So I still want this to work. Like, not in a romantic sense, but in like a being civil and honest and open with each other sense. Um, and that's kind of where where the episode ends um well we we end on uh michelle's appearance or her face on screen and she cracks a smile which what does that mean mm. is that like this is the ted i wanted and now maybe she's gonna start a journey bef- to where she and ted get back together like that that feels like a very intentional shot to me so yeah. i don't quite know where they're going to go with it but that seems to be the path that they'd be going down if that were the case uh the smile just seems really strange to me in any other context yeah um i kind of took it as the she still wants him as part of their life and she's glad that they're able to talk about it but but 
I think you're right. Yeah, you're right. They don't do that in media without having a ulterior motive, really, do they? Yeah, because if it's just like, oh, he's opening up and we can be civil, like that's that's a weird place to end yeah. it because you can do that without cutting back to her and just having the call be the end of it. Yeah, um, I thought with the way Ted was being so vulnerable with her and forthcoming, I thought they were going to end up having because uh, he FaceTimes her. Yeah. And uh, I thought they're going to having it where the the Internet just crapped out and she didn't get any of what he said. And he's going to have to like crawl back into himself because he he had like just that one moment of the ability to say this and he can't repeat it so yeah i I felt like that that's where it was going Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'm glad that she heard all of it yeah Uh, yeah so that's the end of the episode josh what did you think i don't think it was the strongest episode of the season but it was still really good i especially liked the ending where we we get that tease of jack and keely like what's happening with them and banter Mm -hmm. and then Roy and Jamie's relationship continuing to evolve and uh, intrigue with what's going on with Ted and his ex-wife or maybe soon to be wife again. Who knows? Um, what do we do with what, Sassy? How about then? you? What did you think? What do we do with Sassy in that situation? Nothing. Well, she seems answer. to, yeah, she just seems to be someone that lives, lives life in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate Sassy. I don't want her to not be happy in this show, mm. but she seems to be happy with the life of, random partners that she can just have fun there, with. there is a line in this that we didn't speak about that i've just remembered that was really funny uh where coach beard says something along the lines of you asked me what i was doing this weekend and he goes and jane has a sister and then before even finishing the sentence ted goes nope and beard goes that was the right answer right answer <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was really good i liked this episode i thought it was good I, like you i don't think it was as strong as the last episode but the online reception of the last episode was quite poor um and i couldn't really? work out why um i might have been seeing a few isolated ones but the general consensus of what i've seen is people didn't really enjoy the last episode whereas i thought it was one of the strongest of the three series, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. This one, I think if we were going to go game club out of 10, I would say seven and a half out of 10, like not the best, but still very solid. I think I would go seven. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go quite up to a seven and a half. Okay. Um, I'd say it's a average. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, um, Josh, this is the point where I normally give you a quiz and a mad story. And unfortunately, I haven't had time to prepare either of those things. So to save <laughs> this being an hour and a half long episode, uh, I'm, I'm going to call it there. Um, and I'll give you okay. I'll give you a bumper quiz next time and a bumper story. I'll come up with a really good story next time for you. Sounds good. Cool. So with that, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Talking Smack Pod. You can follow Joey at Game Club Pod. Um, you can also join the discord. So join the talking lasso discussion there. Uh, all of that will be in the episode description. And with that, thanks for listening and remember to be curious, not judgmental. And scram, whistle, whistle, scram, whistle, whistle. Oh.